Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. Christmas is coming, and the goose is getting fat, as they say, along with everybody else. This episode is the final instalment of my conversation with John Large of Red Dice Diaries, and we're talking about game prep and running games. So without any further ado, let's kick it off. Bit of a funny start on this one as well. Some dubious editing. I'll have to have a word with my editor. And uh, like I always write, I've got a, a GMDM logbook thing. Uh, it's like a, it's basically like a sketchbook, a role-playing sketchbook. And I just put everything in there. And then when I go into a session, I know I've got, I know I've got what I need. And then I can sort of relax a little bit. The whole idea about um, a sort of GM journal, that's something I've only recently started doing because previously I've been using things like Evernote and various um, computer programs to like, store my notes, which work great. Don't get me wrong, there's some great like, software out there for it. Yeah. But at the minute, for me, I'm like, all right, okay, so I work eight hours a day and like, my work's pretty much like shuffling figures around on a computer. So but I'm that's s- your last episode, isn't it? That's what you were talking... Because I wanted to come on to that. You were talking about this in your last episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I actually uh, owe you a call-in on that one. <laughs> but I thought, will it be a bit ridiculous doing a call-in when I've scheduled this chat with you this evening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'll be calling you in, and then like in the next breath, you know, I'll be getting a, a link from you and coming on the computer. But I thought that was a really good episode, and uh, you're as about to say. But yeah, I'm interested in this process of you going back analog. And you mentioned it on the interweb some time back because I remember commenting. Uh, we exchanged some comments about this going back to the old school of uh, notation and everything. So yeah, yeah, tell us a bit more about that. Well, it, like you say, you rightly say it's an idea I've been sort of like considering something in the back of my mind, you know, mulling it over. For, for a little while purely at the start because like i say i'm limited on how long i can spend on a computer i have to sort of keep half an eye to like the health implications for me and when mm-hmm. i'm like eight hours a day on a computer if i then come home and i'm like right i'm spending like another like four hours on a computer when i get home it's not particularly good for me obviously i still i do enjoy the process of prepping i still want to be able to like check my notes and everything so i've been sort of thinking like, oh, you know is there a way to is there a way for me to do this but still be able to reference stuff easily in a game? Because obviously the benefit of that, the computer programs is you've got search functions. Yeah, It's very easy to find things. I mean, Evernote's been a brilliant piece of software for that. I make like a note for each NPC. It's all labelled. It's got like um, tags on it. So if I want to get wow. a car worm, tell me like everyone who's in like the Harper Noble family, I can just be like search Harper Noble and it's like, bring, there's eight NPCs. Yeah, it, well, it, It's all good to go. I mean, it does take a bit of setup, but it works really well. But mm. it takes time to set it up. Yeah. So, and I've not really found a way of sort of manually replicating that level of functionality previously. Cause I've had notebooks previously, but they just get filled up with like random scribble, and they're great for just like flicking through and looking up ideas. But if it comes to like suddenly you're in the middle of the game, you know, where did I put that NPC note? And you're like flicking through the notebook. But I came mm. across the idea of people talking about bullet journals and using like a a method of notating things so that you can find an index in it, putting and... an index page in 
I, I was like, oh, that's a really great idea, but I'm already like three quarters of the way into my campaign. I don't want to have to go back and read all my notes. I'll probably just stick with this. Then mm -hmm. recently we pretty much had like a, a TPK in like my West Haven game, all but like one of the characters died. And the the guy who was playing that character is like, oh, well, I'm probably not going to like just randomly pick up with another bunch of dudes and like go adventuring again. No. So I was like, right, well, do, do people just, first of all, is everyone interested in carrying on with the campaign? And they were like, yeah, we might like to refocus it a bit, but we're already enjoying the campaign. So I was like, right, okay, well, how do we want to refocus it? And do you all want to gen new characters or have like a new group? And we'll mm -hmm. do it as like a, a chapter two. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of this whole sort of like season ID, you know, like a TV show. Uh, that was another thing you mentioned on a previous set. I think that's a brilliant thing. Yeah, I, I won't derail the conversation. No, no, it's, it's all good. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'll, I'm sure I'll wheel my way around to it eventually. But um, so what we were talking about, one of the things that came out of it is we decided to like change which OSR rules we were using because right. previously we've been using Lamentations. That all mm -hmm. worked fine, no problems with that. But we were, we were chatting about what sort of characters we wanted to play, and they were like. All right, we know we're not really into like the whole like constant dungeoning thing. Although we know that's like a big part of OSR. I was like, fair enough. And they're like, oh, we're thinking of being like a bit more mercenary, and you know, sort of going out and finding our own opportunities for adventure, and maybe not like sort of playing like the good guys, but we don't just want to play like evil villains, you know, like, twirling on mustaches and tying yeah, damsels yeah, yeah. to rail tracks. And I was like, well, to me, that sounds like for coin and blood that I've got. Because that all you're talking about getting involved with like thieves guilds and stuff like that. That's mm. got rules for that, and it's pretty and it's a standard OSR game pretty much. The mechanics are all familiar. It's got some slightly different classes. It's setting neutral, but it's more a sort of urban, sort of gritty like mercenary style game. You work your way up in these organisations, and it's very sort of dog eat dog. Given that that sounds more like what you're talking about, do you fancy trying those rules out instead? And here's what the classes are. Again, it's like a, a very easily available, cheaply available game, so you can all get hold of a copy of it. Everyone had a look at it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that that sounds good. We'll give that a go." So we got the rules changed, and I'm like, "Well, if I'm I'm effectively starting like a new campaign, really." Yeah, yeah. Well, name. you are, you are really. Yeah, so I'm like, "Well, this seems like a great opportunity to like go right if I'm starting from scratch, effectively, because like we're moving the timeline on to like ten years has passed in the setting, yeah. so it's all pretty much new, but with some like little threads linking back to stuff that's happened in the past." I was like, mm. "Right, this seems like a great opportunity to try out this like bullet journaling." Now I'm at the start. Give it a go, because I'm sure as you know, I'm planning on doing a. Well, I know we spoke about it. I'm planning on doing yeah. a big existentials campaign in the new yeah. year. I was like, this yeah. is a great opportunity to test that out with yeah. West Haven. If it doesn't work, no big deal. I can get rid of it, go back to my old way of doing stuff. Whereas if it does work and I found something new, when I get to like the big existentials campaign, I yeah. can then just like pull out another notebook and use a similar format to that. Hopefully, I'll have ironed out like some of the wrinkles yeah. and got used to it by then. And I mean. All, cause like I said, I've only just started. All I've really got at the minute is I've basically got like the index page on like the first double page. Yeah. And then I've got a a calendar page for like the first two months of like fifteen fifty, which is on like, yeah. the year we're sort of running it in. Okay. And uh, I'm just going to sort of go through that and see how we get on with doing that in a more analog style. And hopefully, because it's it's just like a notebook, I can carry a notebook and a pen around with me, no problems. So on like my dinner break at work, I can like jot down a few ideas. If I need stuff off my computer, I've got a printer. I can always print it out and like old school and paste it into the the yeah. notepad. No problem. So again, it's just trying out a few different things, seeing what works. If it doesn't work, 
there's no great harm done. I've got alternatives, but it seemed like a good opportunity to sort of get in on the ground level and give that a go. Yeah, definitely. All of these systems need a little while to find their legs, don't they? I've found that index cards work pretty well for me and you could you can kind of color code them and you can you can infinitely mess about with them you can lay them in a scanner you can scan them if you want to yeah you uh, i do like index cards yeah i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of index cards uh, i use them a lot when i was running fate um first of all for like recording aspects and stuff like that and especially if i'm going to like a con where i'm running like a one shot or something like that with Faith, it's like very easy to fit like a whole character on an index card. I don't have to carry a load of stuff around me. I can go like, all right, okay, I've got, I've got five index cards there. I've got like another few blank for like aspects, and I've got my my short notes written on like another three. And that's aside from the dice and like a few pens. That's pretty much everything I need in like that amount of space. I can exactly. tuck, I can tuck that inside like the digest size rule book. Exactly. And I, and I can easily stick four or five of those in my bag to take the games on demand and I've got a nice option of things I can run without giving myself a hernia like trying to lug around like a, a Nodwick style like backpack full of books <laughs> uh, and the other thing I like to put encounters on them put yeah. an encounter on each one sort of thing and it's once again it's that design constraint you've got to fit it on there so you can't waffle on endlessly before the game I could lay out the encounters I'm looking at and think well I'd quite like to do them in this order so this is this is maybe how it would work quite well, but at the same time, if it doesn't work like that, you you can just rearrange it, and you it's just so flexible. That so flexible, you can actually get quite a bit of info on them, can't you? Oh yeah, and I mean another thing they're very handy for is like doing simple maps, so yep. sort of like zone maps, because you can just like put the you you write on a card like our um, hilltop tower, you write on another one like Hamlet at the bottom of the hill. And you put them next to each other and you say, like, right, if uh, if the cards are joining on any of the edges, you can move between those zones. And, yeah. like, you've got a very simple, easy-to-quickly-layout map there, which, okay, yeah, it's not the whole sort of, like, D&D sort of five-foot square, like, tactical level, but if you just need, like, a simple map so you know where people are in relation to things, it's very easy to quickly write it, lay it out on the table, everyone knows what's going on. And you can, yeah. you can also record bits of information and it just allows you to zone out some spaces on on in your, on your gaming area and have some sort of spatial uh, relationship established. That's it. I mean, one of the things that obviously I, I didn't really plan for um, index cards, but it made me laugh the other day because it was just something that I happened to have some handy and that were really useful for us. Uh, we discovered when we someone was using Zoom to run a game mm -hmm. that if someone turned their camera off, it like reordered everything on the screen so it like messed up like the gm's like layout so, oh, right. so the gm was like oh, sorry guys can i ask you like just to like put something over your camera rather than like turn your camera off because otherwise it'll mess up with the layout and i was oh. just like all right index card boom yeah fold it in stick half it. stick yeah. it over the camera done yeah i'm a bit of a, a tight one i sort of end up reusing them and stuff like that i'll rub bits out and yeah, nothing wrong uh, with that yeah uh, and I, I like to make up magic item cards get the notes and give them to the player and you know if you've got a long running campaign like we had the 5e went on for getting on for it was like 100 sessions it went on we would give out them cards it's all there you're not having you you didn't because what 
they kept getting the book out all the time. They couldn't remember, yeah. and we're getting a book out and referring to it, and I thought, oh, this is no good. So I went away, and I thought I'd write them up. I'd asked other, I'd asked the players to take a note, but they didn't inevitably. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, all right, I'll do it myself, and then it'll be done. And, and they're perfect for that. I can't remember if it was the last time, but certainly the time before when I, I was at the UK Games Expo doing games on the Man Lloyd, all of my notes for the weekend, all I did was I had a big stack of index cards. I, I bought, like you know those like bull, little bulldog clips? Yep. I bought like a pack of like six of them in like different colours for like a couple of quid. And for, for each of the games I was potentially going to run, I was like, oh, okay, I've got my player characters there, I've got my notes there, some monsters jotted down, bulldog clip, right, boom, that's that yep. done. Next yeah. one, do my notes. Like bulldog clip, boom, that's done. And because there were different colours, I was like, right, okay. If, if I'm looking, I know if I'm looking for a certain game, I've just got to reach in, find the like blue bull, bulldog clip, pull it out. Yeah, everything's good to go. I've used elastic bands, colour coded elastic yeah. bands, stuff like that. It's just, um, it's just really cool. But if I remember correctly, I mean, I've not played it, but I think there is actually a game called the Index Card RPG. There certainly is, and we play it. Uh, our Fed runs it every week. We play that. That's so, an ongoing thing at the moment. I've I've not actually got any experience of it. I have to confess. Well, it's got really, it's got some really good GMing advice in there, and the way he, he talks about encounter designs, and he's got little feet. He's just got these really great nuggets of information. When you're designing an encounter, he'd have like the three T's: timers, threats, and treats. So when you build your encounter, you've you put a timer, he always uses a D4, he rolls a D4 at the start of an encounter, and everybody knows that in that many rounds of the table, something is going to happen. The circumstances here are going to change. Yeah. And it's very unlikely that it's going to be in your favour. It could be, but, you know, this is... Everybody's very aware of the fluid nature of what's going on with this timer. So there you go, he rolls it... Yeah, I mean, time time is great for that. Cause, I mean, obviously, w one of the potential issues, if, if you like RPGing, is like you're getting a scene going. It's all nice and sort of quick paced. You're building up a bit of tension. Then you get to like maybe like one player who's maybe like a bit more thoughtful, or they're like thinking through a bit more, and they're like, mm, mm. Uh, yeah. and, and you, you can see like people's like shoulders slump and they sort of like sit back, draining in the away the energy. And, yeah, and, and 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 it's it's not, it's not particularly anything like nasty that players doing they might just be a bit more thoughtful they like to take the time a bit more but it can sort of drain that tension away but uh timers are great for that i mean i ran a i ran a i think it was either a two or a three shot where um, it was ffg star wars and the okay. idea the idea was the the player characters who were sort of rogues and smugglers they were yeah. trying to steal something from an imperial base and they knew that um Darth vader's like star destroyer was gonna like, jump into the system because he was coming to like inspect the the facilities personally and they were yeah. like all right we, we, we've got to get in get what we want and get out before vader turns or we're dead and yeah. all, all i did for the for the session was i had like on my display i had like a big red like number 10 in the corner yeah. of the display and every time like one of them rolled a botch yeah. i knocked the number down by one yeah. and i told them at the start i was like when that number gets to zero 
that's Vader's ship like, entering the system, and then you've got wow. like minutes before he arrives on the planet and like decimates anyone who's still there. So they started off and they're like, "Oh, we're all right, you know, we've we've got ten of them, no problems." Like a couple of botches built on, like, oh, we've got seven of them, we're no problems. And mm. by the by the end of it, they're like, "Oh, oh, we've got three left." I like shit, shit, shit. He's, he's, he's going to be here in like the next, could be here in like the next like few rounds. I like, like everything became more frantic and sort of built up as the game was going on. Yeah, that's a real uh, John Harper thing, isn't it? He likes a timer. Oh yeah. Um, so the other thing that was in our ICRPG, so that the timer was one of the T's and then threat. So every encounter, you, you want to have this, a clear threat there mm. that's, that's kind of keeping the pressure on or is something you've got to deal with or get by or, or whatever. And, you know, that's commonly in an encounter, you're going to have this sort of a threat. And then he, he says, working a tree. That might be simply the classic some treasure or you know once you've dealt with the threat you uh rifle through there and search the body whatever but equally it might be a little uh sort of a a vantage point that the characters could put someone with a with a little bit of finagling they can get into this position and the tree is they are then got an advantage in in the combat or uh, or something like that and he says if you if you get them three things in there you, you'll be well on your way. And if you think about that and you've got it all, your encounter is very unlikely to go flat. Well, that's, I mean, it's the it's the whole, like, carrot and the stick idea, isn't it? Where yeah. you, you've got to have the carrot, whether it's, like, the treasure or a valuable NPC, um, some loot you're trying to get, whatever. But you've also got to have, like, the threat of, like, the stick, which is whatever's trying to get between you and your goal. So if you have, you can have like a villain who's as like villainous as you want. It can be, it can be a demon, a devil, whatever. But if he has no sort of like interest that intersect with the player characters, you may as well not have bothered. If the player character's are like, oh, we're going to raid this tomb, and like this devil's over somewhere over here doing like his devilish business, and the two like never the twain meet, mm. it, it doesn't matter that he's like the baddest villain this side of the Grand Canyon. So you've got to have that sort of enemy who's like that threat of that stick where like they've got some sort of cross-purpose with the PCs. Yeah, it's got to be imminent, hasn't it? Yeah. There you go. That concludes my series of talks with John Large of Red Dice Diaries. I thoroughly enjoyed doing it and hopefully, with any luck, we can do another recording sometime in the future. Now, I know John's been a busy man. He's got a new product that he's been working on with Glyn Seal. It's a monkey blood design product based in the Midlands, and he's exploring some themes around the Gomans, which are like a, a play on the Romans in the Midlands setting. The, uh, the adventure that he's written is available now on drive through rpg as a pdf or print on demand or if you like you can get them both together and um, yeah it'd be great if you could support john in this venture i know he's really excited about it and he has some great ideas i haven't picked up my own copy yet but i will be over the course of this weekend so thanks again to john large for doing this series and uh Thanks to all the listeners. Look after yourselves. I'll catch you later.